This is the best podcast. BEST stands for Business, Entrepreneurship, Startups, and Technology. I'm your host, Adam Sokolich, and each week we talk live on social media platforms like Twitter Spaces so that you can stay up to date with the latest news and stories, learn the greatest tools and tactics, and gain some of the best opportunities to connect with new people. Special guests include top founders, CEOs, and experts. Plus, the audience is always full of fascinating people. Even Elon Musk recently tuned in. All of our conversations are educating, entertaining, and engaging with the mission to help you succeed. So follow us on all your favorite social media platforms, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and of course, tune in live to the best podcast. Let's talk soon. I'm here and I can hear you and, and also very excited about all the things that are happening right now. Oh man, it's a wild time, not just for you, but uh, for the whole world and everything going on at OpenAI. I'm super excited to dive in deep. I just saw Jessica join the room, so I want to make sure she gets up on stage as well. So Jessica, I'm bringing you up right now. I see so many familiar faces in the audience, of course. Uh, it's so good to see you all there as well. So I'm glad that you are joining us today. So Jessica, you just got up on stage. Jessica, can you can you hear me as well? I can hear you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, well, let's get started, folks. Again, my name is Adam Socklich, also known as the Best of Live Audio, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. We're going to talk all things AI and specifically everything related to open AI. There is a lot going on. And so today, helping us, we have two incredible team members from open AI. We have Logan. He's leading things at the developer relations teams, building out developer relations as a function from the ground up, certainly supporting all the developers there with everything uh, in this world for JetGPT, Dolly, GPT. Three, four, of course, the API is rolling out, plugins are rolling out, so much there. Jessica's an AI strategist at OpenAI, helping so many people in this regard as well. And so I love this conversation. I love Twitter Spaces. It's an amazing platform connecting us all here via live audio. We can engage with the audiences and you just never know who's going to show up, folks. So glad to get going. Logan, Jessica, are you guys ready? Yeah, let's do it. Good, good, good. Well, we were supposed to talk a couple weeks ago, actually, but then you both recommended, you said, Adam, you know, we got some things coming out soon. Uh, we might want to pause a couple weeks. And so that's what we did. And just a week ago, GPT-4 has rolled out. Now, of course, I've been testing it. A lot of folks in the audience have probably been testing it as well. But Logan, Jessica, just give us your inside behind the scenes. Look, how has that rollout gone for you? What are you, what are you hearing? What's the feedback? What's the overall vibe that you guys are getting in the last week since GPT-4 rolled out? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the reception has been uh, tremendous. Like people, one, I'm really excited that people have had a chance to try out GPT-4 through uh, through ChatGPT and, and get a sense of what the capabilities are. And I think, you know, if you rewind maybe like two years, it would have been much more difficult for a wide audience of people to actually understand how good some of these models were getting because they were all sort of abstracted away behind the API and you would have had to have been a developer to try them out. So I think putting this technology front and hands in the center of a bunch of people and letting them actually try it last week was, was awesome. And I'm so glad that we, that we were able to make that happen. Absolutely. And folks, by the way, there is a purple chat button in the bottom right. If you have comments and questions, drop them in, especially as we talk about things like your own feedback on GPT-4 as well. And so Jessica, what's your opinion on that? It's been a crazy ride in the last week with GTP-4. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? I'm super excited about GPT-4. I work really closely with a lot of, a lot of our launch partners, um, especially like in the educational uh, space, legal space and all around. So it's just been really exciting to see how 
uh, large language model can help to scale these really meaningful area that has historically been really difficult to staff and provide resource for. So I'm super excited about the launch. Yep, me as well. Are there specific use cases that you guys are seeing, you know, because people have already tried tried it out, GPT-4. What surprised you? What are some of those use, use cases? And Logan, I know you tweeted about this recently as well, so I'll go back to you real quick. What are the cool use cases that you're seeing people already jump in and dive in and utilize with GPT-4? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think, you know, the part of the beauty of just putting this stuff out there is, you know, we, we only see a sliver of the use cases internally, and we don't really know what people, all the cool things people will use the new models for until we put them out, which is part of the reason that we we work so hard to get the technology out into people's hands. But I think really the, the biggest differentiator that, that we've been seeing between some of the previous models and the new models is just the ability with GPT-4 specifically to uh, follow the the system prompts very explicitly and do much more detailed sort of instruction following than than some of the previous models. I think if folks have tried GPT 3.5 uh, Turbo through the API or through ChatGPT, it you know it listens to you. It kind of does do the things that you want it to do. But if you really start to give more complicated instructions about the task that you're trying to accomplish, it sort of falls apart. Um, and I think with GPT-4, you're now able to, to really do that that sort of iterative development or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Um, and the, the sort of system actually listens to you, which I think is, is such a difference. Awesome. Awesome. And I know you even have more stuff rolling out. I want to dive into the plugin in just a second. That got shipped today. Uh, but b- before we do that, Jessica, I want to swing back to you because as we think about ChatGPT3 and now GPT4, you've been diving in and also looking at the best practices for prompts and prompt engineering as well, right? So are you seeing or noticing a difference with how people are utilizing it from GPT-3 to GPT-4 and or when you wrote those both those best practices a few weeks ago for GPT-3, I believe it was, what's new? What's with GPT-4 from a prompt perspective that people should be thinking about to maximize it? That's such a really good question. So the major changes between what we were about three months ago to now is the introduction of chat, chat turbo as well as GPT-4. So we introduced a new format. Um, it's basically chat basically the chat format that then for people who are already on the train of GPT might have to, might take some time to get used to. So for example, chat turbo, which is a very like economically, very scalable model. Um, it is less steerable comparing to GPT four, which give GPT four a lot of advantage. If you're trying to do uh, more advanced reasoning and more tailoring. And I can give you like two example. Um, you, you asked about what's really exciting about um, GPT-4. One thing is its reasoning capability. As you know that um, we actually did some collaboration in the legal space and it's been confirmed that it has passed the bar. So historically, while the ability for language model to summarize and reason is already um, super helpful and very capable. Um, GPT-4 really takes it to a different level um, in terms of reasoning scale. So being able to pass the bar being one of them. The other example is in education, um, which is while GPT historically has been okay with kind of math capability, answering question, um, the challenges that we had when we were working in the educational space is 
actually have the model not be, um, you know, help you quote unquote cheat as a lot of teachers worry about, but being able to know the answer, reason to the answer, but at the same time, take a tutor perspective and coach the um, student uh, to arrive at the answer without directly giving it the answer. So as you can imagine, um, to be a teacher like that, you have to have a lot of reasoning capability, which the earlier model was not capable of doing. So I think that's a huge advancement for GPT-4. And for a lot of people who are thinking about building more advanced capability, that's a good, that's why GPT-4 is a good tool. The other one that I, I don't think it's like spoke about a lot, but I think it's going to be a huge unlock is GPT-4 is really um, a multimodal capability. Um, where it can see now, it has eyes. So I know we're in um, kind of early alpha, making sure it's stable for our image capability, but the ability to reason with an image, it doesn't just tell you um, you're wearing a red shirt sitting from a computer and knows you're in a meeting. So that's taking um, visual reasoning to a different level, which is super exciting. Whoa, 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 whoa. I have not dived in enough about this topic. This is something that's super exciting because it, it, it changes the way not only do I think about the world, but the way that I think. And I remember, Jessica, you and I met, we connected here on Twitter like a couple months ago. I think it was in January uh, when I was diving in deep on AI. I've been hosting series here on Twitter Spaces with AI leaders as well. And one thing I knew when I got an early, early, early access to GPT was it changed the way that I thought. It, I could feel my brain changing and just how I had to put together those prompts, right? And so since then, I remember one of the first ones was, well, can it help me build a business? And this was back in January. But since then, actually, surprisingly, I think about a, a week ago, someone announced uh, that they put $100 down and said, hey, you know, I want this platform, I want this program to be able to help me turn this $100 into as much money as possible. And it has since done great things for that person in a number of ways. So I'm curious, what are some more of the ways that are out there that this platform is really creating impact for people and businesses and users. And so, for instance, um, Logan, I know that you brought up a point about consulting, right? A while back, about a month ago, you, you said that it could make a lot of money for generative AI and large uh, LLMs if you're creating a consultancy that integrates open AI into other products, right? So that's from an, a consulting standpoint, but you also just rolled out the plugin today, right? So I'm trying to think through more of this. How are users going to be utilizing the platform and monetizing it as well? Logan, can you kind of walk us through just your thought process into how people are starting to utilize this platform for, for monetization's sake? Yeah, the, the consulting angle was was just sort of putting out a, a general observation that there's a tremendous amount of demand. And, and if folks are watching, I think this is sort of one of the exhausting parts about what's happening right now is that every company is sort of launching their, their generative AI strategy. They're partnering with OpenAI or, or other providers and sort of building this technology um, into their into their company and product from the ground up. And I think the, the reality is, is that the OpenAI team is enabled to uh, sort of service all that demand, and that's why you you seen you know OpenAI partner with organizations like Bain, which does a bunch of this consulting work. Um, and I, I think there's other opportunities out there as well. But more broadly, yeah, there's you know the very interesting part about this technology is you really do have to think about monetization sort of from the beginning. And I think the the reason for that is just because the the cost mechanisms that are associated with working with this technology is just like you, you can't not think about it because otherwise you're going to end up racking up a bunch of um, a bunch of service charges to us or some other provider. Um, so it's, 
you know, I think with plugins today, there's there's no monetization. I'm guessing some point in the future, folks will think about you know how to how to sort of help provide monetization for those plugin providers. But yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how it evolves. I don't think there's anything concrete besides um, what folks are doing with the API right now and building monetization into their products. Okay, so you just rolled out the plugin today. Is that right? Yeah, just just rolled out today, which is crazy to think about. It is, right? So browsing in ChatGPT, code execution in ChatGPT, third-party plugins as we're talking about. You said it's a whole new developer ecosystem. So kind of walk us through, what do we need to know? What does this audience need to know about the plugin? Yeah, I think for, for users, it's, you know, essentially you're just going to be able to do a lot more things that you weren't previously able to. I think one of the biggest challenges prior to plugins was that you sort of could generate a bunch of this really good and engaging content, but you sort of had to manually take it out of ChatGPT, the UI interface, and bring it into whatever the product is that you wanted to connect to. But you can actually imagine, I think one of the sort of slept on parts of this release that people haven't really realized yet is that um, Zapier is actually one of our launch partners. Uh, I don't think launch partner is the correct terminology, but they're one of the folks who have a plugin um, that's available on the plugin store today. And if folks are familiar with Zapier, Zapier already connects to like 5,000 different services, things like emails and all these different integrations. And that's going to work out of the box for people who get plugin access. And I think it's going to be really incredible to see how much you're truly going to be able to do natively in the ChatGPT interface. And Adam, going back to the point you made before about how these tools are making you think different, I would actually posit that the interaction that, at least for me, this is the way that my brain works, the way the interaction happens with ChatGPT in that conversational format is actually much more similar to how you would be interacting with uh, a person in a conversational format, and we're sort of, especially especially maybe for you, doing a lot of Twitter spaces, interacting with people, um, it's actually a much more... Uh, it's a much more natural way of expressing yourself versus like clicking a bunch of buttons in a UI or something like that. Like that's not evolution hasn't prepared us to, to work with uh, computer visual UIs, but it has prepared us to sort of explain complex topics with our spoken word or written word. Um, and, and now the, the sort of translation from these language models to be able to take that, that typed word in this case and turn it into an actual action, I think is going to be crazy. I love the way that you said that, you know, turn it into an actual action. I think that's so important in this world these days. People have ideas, but it's about that execution, right? And so, you know, when I stumbled upon that article, I think it came out in just a, a week or so when that person said, hey, I want to put $100 down and say, hey, system, tell me, ChatGPT, what can I do to turn this and maximize this dollar amount? That inspired me so much that I think just a couple of days ago, one of your very significant competitors out there, <coughs> Google <coughs> Bard, just rolled out their version of it as well. And so I took that idea and I tried to utilize, hey, with $100, what could I do? Let me just say, it was such a pain in the ass, <laughs> pardon my language there, but like the system just didn't work as well as I had hoped. Or maybe you guys at OpenAI are setting a higher bar because I have a much better experience with OpenAI and with ChatGPT. Now, I don't know if anyone else in the audience feels that same way. Maybe there's differences of opinions out there as well, but I just had such a problem with it. But with ChatGPT, it seems to genuinely understand what I'm trying to do with the same actions as you're referring to as well. So Jessica, I want to swing back to you again because this prompt aspect of it, the, it changes almost like the psychology, the way that I'm thinking and, and the way that my mind works as well. So I'm curious, 
you know, I almost wish I had access to like all the data that OpenAI was gathering in the last few months since you guys have been rolling out this platform. Have you guys noticed a change with, yes, how, you know, brands are using it, how organizations are using it, but even down to how individuals are using it. And then even further, the way that people are talking about the way that they work, right? The way that they execute, the way that they almost act day to day. So from a strategy perspective, Jessica, what are you seeing in regards to the human connection with ChatGPT? Good question. Um, one thing that, that I like to kind of advice on um, using it for kind of investment or medical is that be aware that um, there's still gap um, in the data and there's still hallucination. I like to put that like public announcement out there to not fully trust um, the output. Uh, don't consider it as a hundred percent like an expert, right? And the model right now still is in the world. And it's very interesting because we make the parallel to human being is um ask stupid question, get stupid answer, ask smart question, get smart answers. And so when I see working with customer, when I see uh, people interacting with GPT in general, not just chat, but different version of it, what I constantly see is um, clear thinking and thoughtful reasoning and thoughtful prompting consistently get really good results. So what that translates to is if you are a semi-expert or gaining knowledge of an area and you know the right question to ask, GPT is magical um, and it's a great assistant. If you're coming to a new field with no prior knowledge and expect to rely kind of blindly on GPT to guide you, I would not say that it's the best guide. So you're still very much um, just like a human being, right? You ask the right question and you can get the, the, the good answer. Um, please do consider GPT the same way. It will and it might, and I think it will get better over time. But just like human being, we're not perfect. Um, the model will not be either. So be really thoughtful about how you interact with it and use it as a system. I think it's like super important to start, really start to think about, and it's definitely a new muscle that I think in this AI era, we need to learn um, to build. The second thing, yeah, oh, no, go ahead. No, keep going, keep going. The second thing is I think a lot of people there's a lot of anxiety and, and um, around, well, so many things going on, like, you know, API and product, like what is going on and how do I think about it? So love to give everybody a little bit of framing um, as you're, if you're developers who are trying to understand the ecosystem, what should you do? You can consider OpenAI's offering kind of fall into two buckets right now. Um, one is our product, which is the chat GPT product that everybody is talking about and, and love and are using day to day. It's kind of our B2C um, type of um, offering that, that you guys have already used, which is our product. The other one I think a lot of developers are very interested in um, is our API offering, which we call platform. So the idea behind it is whatever we build and experiment it and work well in our product, we want to make it available to all of you. So, you know, the same GPT-4 that's powering um, the chat experience in the product, there's absolutely nothing stopping you from using it, tailoring it, um, and, and customize it based on your use case and your user experience. Because we do want to become the electricity of the new age, which is like powering um, the, all these capabilities that you're looking for. So there is a very lively ecosystem in the API world, which like Logan has been so helpful in, in kind of, you know, developer awareness, helping developer documentation about making it available for people to use. And then on the product side, uh, we just launched product to um, our plugin today. Why is that important? 
and how is this relevant? So as you know, our, we're trained on, you know, data will be outdated as soon as they come out, right? Just kind of like as a car hit the hit the ground, its value started to depreciate. As the data start, you know, hitting the world, it's it feels outdated. So we want to make sure that we provide the capability to our user to bridge that data gap. Meanwhile, we also understand a lot of the data are very proprietary and a lot of these company owns. So think about Expedia, the travel information, Yelp, the food information, right? So we really want to create a healthy ecosystem for these players to be able to provide their data um, based on the experience they want to provide um, to the ecosystem that's uh, ChatGPT. So the user, all the user can benefit from these most up-to-date information. Browsing capabilities, one of one of our push to do that. Um, so is our coding capability. So that's a very exciting space. And I think that also opened up a lot of, um, a lot of, surface area for companies to provide value to the user while also gaining value from a go-to-market sense, from a action triggering sense. And so if you look at the plugin, I think you can guys can think about this in two categories. One is um, data enrichment. So if you are, you know, a, a startup or a company that has a lot of data and would like to interact with a user through a different surface, that's a good way of building a plugin and have that data in. The other one is what I call AI growing arms and legs. So one of the experiences is Instacart. So what you can do, you can say, hey, I want to cook chicken masala tonight. What should I do? And then it will basically bring down a recipe for you and create a cart for you that allows then you can push it to Instacart or other partner in the future to actually execute that for you. So I find that world to be super exciting and it creates a ton of surface area for people to come in and provide value. Um, and I'll pause there because I know I'll be talking for a little bit. Oh, this is great. And, and hey, I like, I like how you're doing that on stage. You're getting good at speaking up here on uh, Twitter Spaces. I love it. And, and Jessica, I want to swing back to you because a couple months ago when you and I first connected, before you and I spoke, I almost started talking about like how I felt like I needed to steer the platform. Now, I didn't say that. You actually then said that to me. And I said, whoa, that made sense. And I love the way that you described it, right? And I said, and we were kind of going back and forth, I think, in DMs. And, and maybe you started putting together some guides after that conversation. So now I'm curious to kind of go behind the scenes in your world, Jessica and Logan. Because, of course... OpenAI and ChatGPT is changing our world out here as individuals, as developers, as brands and organizations. How about you from a strategy perspective, from a products perspective, from a development standpoint, how have you guys been changing internally just based on, you know, how the product is being rolled out, the changes that you're noticing in the industry as well? I mean, it, it probably has to change your own thinking and, the, and your own approaches. Is that right? And if so, just kind of explain how. Good question. Where, where do I start? Mental models changing constantly. Um, I don't want to pretend that I know um, what the future will hold because this this team here just moves so quickly and so thoughtfully. So I just feel like right now my short-term thinking is I wanted to be, it, it makes sense to me to be a quick learner. Um, I, I pick up Python the past few weeks. Um, GPT actually has been my tutor. Um, I went from needing two weeks to code something to an hour using our GPT capability. So building that muscle to learn really quickly and to build. And I've learned also from the company to quickly iterate, test against the world um, to uh, validate my hypothesis has been a um, muscle that I build. And then to just to constantly um, do both of that. And then the last thing is to create value, right? I think there's a lot of talk, especially on Twitter, around monetization. But money is just, you know, value transfer, mean of value transfer. So I'm always thinking about how can I use what I learn to create value for people. And I think, you know, monetization will come later. 
this is my current mental model. Ask me again in two months. It'll probably be slightly different. And I'll pass that to Logan. Yeah. And before Logan, I can imagine like almost things change for you daily, if not weekly. And of course, by monthly. And Jessica, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that about monetization, because while I brought that up earlier, I actually really lose interest in, in the monetization aspect quickly because of the value in which it might save my time, make my work more productive, make me more productive, make my work just better quality in which probably saves me money and or improves what, uh, improves what I'm trying to do. So I almost think about it less from a monetization aspect from a, from a personal user perspective, just sharing that with you real quickly. But yeah, to you, Logan, from a developer relations standpoint, before OpenAI to today to what's next, just what's your world like? behind the scenes, because I can only imagine you're getting so much interest, you're getting so many questions, so much great feedback at the same time. What's your day-to-day behind the scenes like, Logan, and how's it, how has it been changing? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely a lot of chaos right now. I, I want to make one broader point, which I think for OpenAI is a company sort of making the transition over the last few years from purely a research organization to one that's actually shipping products, first with the API uh, roughly like two or three years ago and now with, with ChatGPT and everything that's happening there. And I think organizationally it's seems like from my outside perspective and, and now sort of getting to see some of it um, over the last few months internally, it seems like it's a, you know, everyone is handling that transition as, as sort of well as they can. Um, but obviously, like with anything, there's there's sort of bump, bumps along the road. And I think specifically from a developer relations point of view, my it's always the trade-off of we're shipping a ton of new stuff so making sure that we are setting people up for success who are trying to make use of the new stuff like for example this whole new plugin ecosystem and and creating all this all the resources we need for developers so that they can show up today on day one and actually understand how to make plugins Um, but then also making sure that we're really investing in like the the foundational platform um, and like little small things that developers want to be successful like being able to name and keep track of multiple API keys when they're sort of using our developer platform. And it's uh, there's a lot of trade-offs and there's a lot of tension between uh, sort of <laughs> supporting all of the new stuff versus making sure that we really are invested in sort of a strong foundation for, for developers who are not only building cool things, but also like building their entire businesses and livelihoods. And you saw that with the, uh, with the ChatGPT release, um, sort of making a commitment to reliability and, and stability for our platform. Um, so there's a ton of sort of internal work that's happening to make sure that people feel confident and comfortable that they can, that they can make that investment in OpenAI. I love that. And you're right. You know, the developers out there, if you're in the audience, you guys are building some great stuff. I'm starting to explore that more just as much as GPT itself, but also, hey, what are people building upon it is right. So for folks in the audience, if you're building something, by the way, promote it in the chat bubble. It's in the bottom right, that purple one, put it in there. I think people are going to love to hear more about it because just yesterday, someone put out a good thread here on Twitter about new people building on top of GPT and uh, just the, the different use cases that are becoming more apparent as people get to utilize them as well. Right. So, um, Um, Now, I want to swing it over to kind of along those lines. What could be some of the leading tech that has not yet been invented or has not yet kind of had that light shined on it uh, that could bring AGI just even closer to our day-to-day life, making big impacts in this world? So thinking forward, and maybe Jessica, I'll swing it over to you real quick. What could be some of that leading tech that has not yet been invented yet? That's such a good question. Um can't I think kind of the multi-model um now it has eyes it started to grow baby arms I think it will be really interesting to 
um, allow it to take action in the physical world. I love to see a world where we kind of start to really think about multimodal um, in terms of software and hardware that I haven't seen quite a lot and totally understand why I think that world will be pretty exciting to me. Awesome. And Logan, how about you? Again, same question. What are some of those leading techs that could be part of the future? And again, maybe you're working with the developers or talking with them, maybe something new that you are able to share or not that could be coming up in the new, in the near future. What are you seeing as being some of that leading tech? Cause I think the audience would really find that valuable to hear. Yeah, I'm not sure if I have um, a great answer in the context of like new technology that's coming out to enable this. I think I think Jessica hit it on the head that multimodal models will multimodal models is a is a tongue twister as well. In case people don't know, um, I think those will be sort of what the future looks like. And and today it's the infusion of of images and and text together. But you can imagine the future it'll be more. I think what what I'm like at the at the very moment right now, most excited about is to see what people use the new retrieval plugin with. Um, I think the idea of augmenting ChatGPT's abilities using the data that you already have on your computer without having to necessarily, you know, put all that data on OpenAI servers or some other company servers, I think is really cool. So giving people the ability to self-host the retrieval plugin, and then you can sort of put in, you know, a few hundred PDFs of all the relevant documents that you want ChatGPT to have access to and be able to retrieve information from, I think is going to be a game changer as far as like really changing the narrative from this being just a tool that's like, you know, I can generate a bunch of content to like actually being viably useful in people's everyday life. Just because I, I still think it's crazy to me that like even on Mac OS built into like default Mac OS on everyone's Mac computers, the search functionality is, is just so awful. And I think I've seen a bunch of cool solutions of people using embeddings and, and other sort of chat layers to make the information on your computer more accessible. But I think this extends beyond just making. And I, I think there's even another company around like you can essentially like rewind your life and it like keeps track of all the like data that you're creating. You can go back to certain points. I think things like that will be super, super interesting. And um, I don't think people appreciate how valuable it'll be to like actually have access to all this data that we've been collecting about ourselves and keeping your data with you as well, like not having to give that data to somebody else. I can live on your computer. You can self-host um, and sort of only provide access to what you want to. I think that would be awesome. Ooh, now you touched on two different keywords that I wanted to focus on today as well. You talked about search and you also talked about uh, embeddings as well. So can you dive in a little bit deeper just in, into what you're thinking about in regards to those two things lately? Yeah, I think, you know, I think embeddings have perhaps lost some of the limelight because of all the things that have been coming out. But um, the idea that you can take any data that you have and sort of add a conversational layer on top of it, um, sort of a conversational retrieval layer on top of it using embeddings is, is super exciting. And I think I'm not sure if folks saw uh, the if you're a developer or maybe just sort of aware of the tech industry github uh yesterday which is the platform where people host all their code um announced that they're going to basically be integrating gpt4 and some of these other technologies like embeddings um into github natively and i think that that experience for developers is going to be so incredible to be able to again in the context of like a huge repository of you know 
hundreds of thousands of lines of code where it's really difficult to sometimes find things. You can just ask sort of a conversational question and be able to be pointed directly to that resource. Um, another thing is like taking all the audio that's available and, and videos that are available on YouTube and like being able to ask questions. I think for podcasts, there've been a bunch of really cool tools that have been, that have been built. Like you can go on the you know, there's a website for the Huberman Lab podcast, which is a Stanford professor who talks about health stuff. And you can essentially ask these conversational questions and it'll specifically pull information that he's talked about in the podcast, give you a timestamp to like what episode it was. And that's, it's truly not possible to do that without this technology. Like you would have to go back and rewatch all of the podcast episodes, which are like an hour and a half plus long if you wanted to remember that information. So it's so cool to see, um, to see that coming to life. Absolutely. And I love that, by the way. So quick promotion for the Huberman Lab and his podcast it is a fantastic podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan of that, as well as the Lex Friedman podcast. And I think there's another tool someone else created out there for that podcast where you can basically get a whole summary or, or you know, key points to all the different content that he's producing. Uh, quick promotion for him as well. I hear that he's speaking with Sam this week. So that's super exciting. Excited for that podcast. And it actually inspires me because you're, you're right, Logan. Just recently, there was a thread here on Twitter that was talking about new tools built upon ChatGPT, uh, and one of them highlighted the use case of, of audio, for instance, in that podcasting, which I'm super excited about. The company even just reached out to me because you can take, like, for instance, we're recording this, right? I can turn this into a podcast, but with AI, it can transcribe it. It can summarize the key points. It can create your intros. It can do all the work that takes me hours and hours and do, to do and probably does a better job than I can do it, right? So in a way, I can see how some people might be worried that it takes away from jobs. But at the same time, there are a lot of instances, and especially in my world, where I'm super excited about how this can improve my productivity and the work that I'm doing. Uh, so I can imagine that there's going to be a lot more opportunity out there as well. Now, Logan, I want to swing it back to you because also we were talking about, or, or you even tweeted about this recently, right? Just the job market. And I think about all of us that are working day to day, hopefully everyone out there is working hard, uh, finding new opportunities. Obviously, AI has opened up a whole new world for recruiting. And I can imagine that OpenAI is probably hiring a bunch of positions. So shout out to the team if you guys are interested and need help promote it, get it on there, folks, and, and go apply. Um, I can only imagine how much work you guys are doing there. But what do you think, or rather, how is AI going to affect the job market? And I know there's an article out there that quoted uh, saying 80% of the U.S. workforce could have at least 10% of their work tasks affected by the introduction of GPTs, while around 19% of workers may see at least 50% of their tasks impacted. Um, so, Logan, you first. Just what are your thoughts on, on regards to how AI is going to affect the job market? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think sort of with plugins, it becomes much more real how this technology can start to actually um, automate away some of the, the mundane work that we don't want to do. And, and the article that you were just referencing about um, 80% of people having 10% of their, their work tasks automated using this technology was from, um, it was a collaboration between OpenAI's research, some of our researchers and some other uh, researchers. So they just published that. And I think there was a, um, I don't know if there's a blog post, but there was definitely uh, some other things out there. So if you look through on Twitter, you should be able to see it. Um, but it, it sort of underscores the reality that people have to adapt to the, the fact that this technology is coming. Um, the really cool part, and, and I think the optimistic part about this is that the, the sort of change is happening gradually, which is super important to make sure and that, that the effects are not 
negative and that all of a sudden one day, you know, Sam, uh, the CEO of OpenAI, talks about this all day, or not all day, but all the time, that like if we just sat as a company in, in sort of internally at OpenAI in our lab building AGI, artificial general intelligence, and then in five years, ten years, whenever it is, we just release it to the world, the negative effect of that would be much, much, much greater for people um, than this sort of iterative deployment that's happening today, which is sort of making this technology open to the world, accessible to people so they can try it and really understand for themselves what the impacts are going to be on their own life, on their own job. Um, So I, I am optimistic that this is it's not going to be something that is ends up being bad for people and that this sort of iterative deployment will enable people to understand and adapt to how to integrate this technology into their, into their work lives and personal lives. Mm, great, great points there. And so Jessica, same question to you from a strategy perspective, what are your thoughts on that question of how AI uh, can impact, improve, change the job market? I think I've been seeing AI, um, kind of in the previous previous days it's just like a calculator I, I've, I've been seeing AI as a tool um, that I add to my pocket and because of this new tool that I have it changed the way that I interact with the world and changed the way the speed that I can operate and also shortened the distance between ideas to execution I'm not a great artist but through Dolly I was able to kind of create artwork that's good enough for my purpose I'm not a developer but through um, GPT-4, I was able to learn and, and deploy and really like test my idea. Um, I don't need a higher developer. I don't need to hire, um, you know, a, a team of data scientists to do all of that and, and run the initial experiment for me. I think it it really does fundamentally change the way that I operate. Um, and I really enjoy having that tool in my pocket and how powerful that tool will be going forward. I think um, it's yet to see, but I believe it will um, change the way that we do work and operate. I'm really looking forward to that. Mm, Good, good, good. And so Jessica, I want to swing it back to you because you have so, I can only imagine as a strategist, you're always thinking about what users are going through and and how that can impact the product and and obviously where the product can go in the future. So as you think out loud right now, and and honestly, like there's hundreds of people here listening, what are some of the questions on your mind that you would love to hear from folks, you know, about specific topics or challenges or just what are those examples of things that are on your mind right now that you would love to ask the world? And then who knows if they follow up with you with tweets and DMs and things like that uh, or, or in other ways, but just what's on your mind in that regard that's great um i have a lot of questions for all of you um thinking out loud with a group of people where are you finding the most friction what i've been really surprised at and i think we all were as you know ChatGPT was an experiment we've been pushing this technology was out like weeks if not months before we finally decided all right we, we asked people to build it we're like chatbot's a great idea why don't you build one nobody wants to build it and so we went ahead and did it and so I'm very curious, what has been the mental barrier or technical barrier for you um, to move forward with this technology? Where are you getting stuck? Um, and where are you finding the most problems and troubles to get to where you want to be? And I'm very interested in this from a prom perspective, from a technical perspective, as well from a business model perspective, because I talk to company on all of these, right? There's a lot of nervousness around it's moving so fast, you know, um, is a thin layer enough? What is a go-to-market strategy? I love to hear about all of that. 
Um, and even if we can't answer doing the short 20 minutes we have left, I'm taking notes here, happy to kind of address all of that because um, we have a small team and then I love to just help mo mo as <laughs> most people as I can, um, probably through writing and, and better distribution to, to solve the problem for all of you. Mm, I love that. And so quick piece of, I guess, if you don't mind me sharing some feedback, because you asked about friction real quick. Um, mm -hmm. It's the fact that, you know, for me, oftentimes my, my default is to go to Google, right, for whatever it is. Now I'm finding mm -hmm. much more value from ChatGPT and OpenAI. So the problem was it just wasn't the first thing I thought about, actually. I still go to Google, right? Now it's transitioning slowly until... I see so much value that I decided to actually make a direct shortcut on my homepage of my, of my phone that I'm staring at right now, where typically Google is, I replaced it with a shortcut, a shortcut to GPT, right? Because now I'm almost changing my own default because then I'm going to use the tool more and more. So that was just one very easy frictional standpoint. It's just even reminding myself to utilize the tool. That's one thing. Um, but then it's, it's the change of asking a question to creating an action. We, we touched on that before. It's that mental repetition of starting with describe or, you know, create or whatever that might be is just creating those little things. Also, I don't know where to go to get the best information or the right information because Twitter, if, if all is a one place, there's so much information out there. I'm almost overwhelmed by it, but I can't necessarily verify if it's accurate or if it's good information. Maybe they have a large following, right? Um, but mm -hmm. I have noticed since the last time you and I talked, you started putting some like guides together and things like that as well. So is there going to be more development in regards to, well, hmm, you and I are brainstorming on the fly a little bit. At the same time, you don't yep. want to tell people how to use the platform too. So how do you think about that without guiding too much while providing enough insights for, to them to utilize the tool uh, to its maximum capabilities? Yeah, for example, I think there are a few areas that I'm like, starting to wanted to put some more guides out. One is kind of best practices for prompting. Um, I mean, there are so many different ways that you can prompt, but how do you think about prompting? Not just like the exact prompting, but how do you frame it? Um, for example, the technique of if you're encountering a more complex problem, you can actually use GPT to ask it and say, hey, what is the best way of approaching this problem? And then ask a second time, using what you suggest, can you then answer? And that already gets a better result than just simply asking the question. So there's a lot of these techniques I love to kind of get out um, to help people to just do prompting like easier and better. And the second area I hear from people is, for example, hallucination. And what Logan mentioned of um, how do you bring your personal knowledge to the table um, is a common question that I get, which is, um, I think a lot of people want to do fine tune. I hear fine tune a lot, but my experience of working with a customer is that through prompting and embedding, you actually solve 80% of the problem that people thought only fine-tune can solve. So I'd like to bring some clarity on that. Um, and for people who are not familiar with embedding, if I want to map it to, a, you know, give you a mental model of, like, how embedding is helpful, it's it's kind of like if you think of – I have this on my, um, on my Twitter account where – it says like, you know, it's a genius in the box model, right? So you prompt, you give the genius in the box a prompt and then it will answer based on the world knowledge you have. And what does embedding do for you? So embedding is the equivalent of um, if you don't give it embedding, it's genius in the box. If you give it embedding, it's equivalent of a genius in the box. Now it has a library and all your diaries and all your information, your personalization. And then this genius in the box, by providing embedding, have all this source of knowledge that then it can use to tailor the answer for you. So that's a difference of um, using embedding and provide a much more 
better fine-tuned experience that I think a lot of people, from what I've seen, are very interested in it. Um, and I'm happy and I'm thinking about writing more to help people on that. And I think the third bucket that I haven't been writing more because people have not asked about is like, what is the strategy? What is my business model? I am an enterprise slash, you know, um, funder led company slash startup. How should I think about um, approaching this world that's ever changing? That's a big topic to cover. And depending on what you guys want to know, I'm happy to kind of share more from what I've seen. Um, one last thing to share is, Always remember, correlation does not equal causation. Just because I've seen the market and it works today doesn't mean it works tomorrow. I always like to say, ask me again in three months, and I'll continue to ask people to do that. Um, check back with us. Um, look for the new capability because this AI world is changing pretty rapidly. Yep, you are absolutely right. I can only imagine how fast it's moving for you. I feel like I can barely keep up as well. So, Logan, I want to ask you the same question in just a moment, but just quick shout out to folks. We've been running this space for about 40, 45 minutes now. There's so much to talk about, but the power of live audio is giving the opportunity to engage with the audiences. I've got a huge queue of people that want to be asking questions. We're going to have the time for a few of them. So, folks, if you want to go ask a question, raise your hand. I will try to bring you up, but please keep in mind, be as respectful as possible. Keep it focused on what we're talking about here. It's about the developer side. It's about the strategy side, stuff like that. They may not be able to answer all questions, but let's just be as respectful as possible. So go ahead, raise your hands. Now, while we get people more up there in the queue, Logan, let's swing that same question over to you, right? I can imagine how fast and and how much your day-to-day is changing and people are always engaging with you. What are some of the questions on your mind that you want to throw out there so that the world can kind of chew on it, think about it, and maybe follow up with you in, in a number of different ways as well that you're curious about? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think, you know, one of the things that very, uh, very explicitly that we're always looking feedback for feedback on is like where people are having challenges as they, as they build, um, specifically using the API. So always open to that feedback. And I'm always trying to, um, I'm always trying to answer people's DMS and messages on the community forum and stuff like that with, with feedback, but please keep that going. It's right now, there's not a great way for us to sort of surface, um, all of the different challenges that people are having. So please feel free to reach out if you're a founder trying to build something or you're a developer trying to integrate the API into your product or service um, and you're running into challenges, let us know. And that's the only way that we're, we're able to sort of uh, fix those problems right now. Yeah. And I got to give you credit, by the way, Logan, you guys do a great job at, you know, being responsive, but answering as many questions as possible. I can only imagine what your inbox is like. So thank you, Logan, yeah, Jessica. And it, it's hard. I think that ours, a part of the reason why, the only reason why I want to do it, it, I think it sets a bad, sets a bad precedent uh, for me to sort of do support via Twitter. But I think our support team is just working so hard around the clock, trying to answer the the thousands and thousands of, of tickets that are coming in every day. So just trying to do my part to sort of alleviate the burden on them. But ideally, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't be doing it. Yep. Good, good. We'll keep up the good work there. And so for folks, uh, we have a few minutes left. I have a huge queue of people, but we're going to get to some of them. I'm going to bring up one at a time. YK, it's good to see you again, my friend. What is on your mind? And let's be real quick with our questions. What are your thoughts? Yeah, just real quick. Uh, happy to see you, you know, hosting this space. Uh, I feel like we talked about it a month ago, so good to see that. Good to see you, Logan, Jessica, um, Adam, too, of course. So I, I wanted to ask Logan, um, if you need help with, like, documentation, making examples for, you know, developers, because I've been using, you know, GPT-4, API and GPT-4 in ChatGDP2, and I, I've been loving it, and I, I, I found that, you know, it's, 
I feel like it's not easy for developers to figure it out necessarily. Yeah, YK, I, I totally agree. And I think the best mechanism right now that we have to sort of get community contributed content um, is through the OpenAI cookbook, which is a public open source GitHub repository and people can contribute. We have like a application section. So if you want to contribute like a full on project, you can put it there. We also have notebooks in a bunch of different categories. So we'd love to, to sort of help you get things in there. And if you send me the link to a PR, happy to have the team review it and, um, and get feedback myself. I'd love to see what, what you're working on. Good, good, good. Hey, thanks, YK, for asking that question. Good to see you again. Uh, let's keep this going, folks. Lots of great questions. We are coming up short on time, just about five, six, seven minutes left. Theo, it's good to see you again as well. What's on your mind today? Howdy, fantastic to be here. Huge fan of the work that OpenAI has been doing in particular in like building good relationships with devs. Something I've been thinking a lot about is the difference between tools that replace workflows and like people's roles versus the tools that augment roles. As developers, we're all really fond of tools like uh, Copilot and how it makes it more productive for us to code every day. But when I look on the creator space, I see less tools that augment us and more tools that try to replace us. And I'm curious what you guys think about the trend of tools that replace versus tools that augment and how you think effort should be split amongst the developers who are taking advantage of the stuff you guys are doing. Jessica, you want to go? Or I'm happy yeah. to give an answer. Yeah, I can, I can take a stab. Um, agree with that. I think like, a lot of the tool today I'm really excited about from the developer end is the augmentation. I would argue that um, I think the content creation end is really, really interesting because um, if you just let, uh, if you just assume you, you just let GPT generate everything, everybody will have a same voice. I will argue that a lot of the value of, you know, as, as a content creator kind of experiencing the world is your unique perspective. And that can really be embedded into um, your content generation using GPT. You can say, um, you can take your content library, use embeddings um, to tailor your messaging based on your point of view. Um, you can also provide very unique framing. I think we all see the world slightly differently through different lens that based on our experience. So being able to even frame it that way of um, you take a piece of content and you say, hey, here's my framing, how I see the world. Please rewrite based on that framing that will create such a more unique voice for you. And you don't have that kind of blank page problem to start your content with. There are a lot of ways of leveraging it. Um, I think thinking about using it to replace content creator um, just makes it so much less interesting because then everybody will have the same voice. And Logan, you want to add on that? Yeah, I think, Theo, and, and maybe this isn't 100% true, but I think part of the reason why we see the augmentation happening specifically around developer tools is because solving the whole problem is perhaps more intrinsically difficult than it is in, in sort of, a, or at least not solving, it's maybe more because the developer use case has like a much different correct answer, if you will, like how to actually write some code that works and solve some problem is perhaps different than how do I generate a bunch of content that looks maybe seemingly like something that somebody would, would generate in some specific case. So I think it's maybe that the use case is not necessarily easier, but it's easier to make something that looks like it's correct versus in the developer use case, 
you can really only augment because if you try to you know build an entire system with one of these tools, maybe with um, previously to, prior to GPT four, it, it might not have been as feasible. I'm not sure if that came across coherently, but um, yeah. Theo, was that helpful? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys all. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, I want to be as respectful as time as possible. We could talk about this all day long. I hope that there's going to be more of these conversations. I think that there will be folks. Um, if you haven't already, host your own. There's a lot of spaces out there about AI. Of course, we'd love to talk with OpenAI some more as well. Who knows if that opportunity comes? I've been I've been uh, connected with Sam, the CEO of OpenAI, for over a year now. We've been going back and forth. He has promised me that we will be talking live here on Twitter Spaces in the near future. So I'm super excited about that. But but to recap, we've touched on everything from the API to embeddings, data, prompts, so much more. And of course, this is recorded so you guys can go back and check it out later. Uh, I want to be promoting and sharing all the great things for the work that you guys are doing, Jessica and Logan at OpenNI. You guys are doing fantastic work. So folks in the audience, if you haven't already followed them, go ahead and do so. Uh, and I think, Logan, I think your inbox is open. So shoot them feedback, shoot them ideas if you guys have thoughts there as well. But I just want to thank you both for sharing your time up here with us. There's such great insights going on, such great work that you all are doing. I absolutely love it. And so Jessica, Logan, I want to thank you again for joining us here on Twitter Spaces. Thank you so much. Adam, thanks for hosting us, and thanks for thanks for also dealing with all the different uh, scheduling snafus as we coordinated the changing timelines and all that stuff. So appreciate you for for dealing with that. Absolutely appreciate it. Yep. And funny story, you know, so Sam promised me back about four months ago that he was going to come on here with Twitter Spaces with me, and what he said is, "We're launching something cool." We'll do it after that. And I was like, okay, great. Well, then something came out in February, but then like a day later, something else. And after a while, I'm like, what are you talking about, Sam? What What is that cool thing? Because every day, every week, you guys are launching something fantastic. And I'm not even still sure if there's more coming. I'm sure there will be. But uh, Jessica, thank you again so much. I appreciate it. Any last thoughts you'd like to share, Jessica? No, just re- really appreciate it. Reach out to me if you have, tag me if you have any questions. Um, love to help more people. Yes, absolutely. And so for everyone else here in the queue with questions, I wish we could get to you. I hope that we can have more of these conversations as well. But just to wrap up, thank you all again. My name is Adam Soklich, also known as the best of live audio. And I love hosting these conversations on Twitter spaces. The AI series will continue as well as more great guests to follow along. I hope you all have a great rest of the day. Take care, everyone. Bye. This is the best podcast. BEST stands for business, entrepreneurship, startups, and technology. I'm your host, Adam Soklich, and each week we talk live on social media platforms like Twitter Spaces so that you can stay up to date with the latest news and stories, learn the greatest tools and tactics, and gain some of the best opportunities to connect with new people. Special guests include top founders, CEOs, and experts. Plus, the audience is always full of fascinating people. Even Elon Musk recently tuned in. All of our conversations are educating, entertaining, and engaging with the mission to help you succeed. So follow us on all your favorite social media platforms, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and of course, tune in live to the best podcast. Let's talk soon.